Welcome to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Sign up for one of our sponsored services and gain five entries into our grand prize draw. We have a sponsor now? Why didn't you tell me? Oh, because I've been uh, hiding all the money for myself. <laughs> oh, truly disastrous. <laughs> So much money from this podcast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. With our no sponsors. Mm -hmm. And lack of draw. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, if anyone's tired of the joke, email us and we'll probably keep doing it. But Maybe do a new joke. Uh, but although after you email us, we are going to keep doing it for, you know, at least a few episodes. Because they're recorded in advance. Yes. Not because we hate you. Exactly. Yeah. It's actually uh, because we like you and we don't want you to have to go a full week where we just, like, don't post with no explanation. Yeah, because, you know, we're busy. We have busy people. legitimate excuses for not writing, but they're still excuses. <laughs> they are still excuses, yeah. Um. But they're legitimate. Okay. <laughs> um, hi, everyone. My name's Eunice. I am the author of Fantasia and Eternosaurus, and uh, I'm finally starting to start writing again after a few months of uh, exam preparation. Woo. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be back to like oh, once a month. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Matthew, author of Rune and Metagame and, you know, other things that may or may not eventually be tied to the ACO name and probably won't be. So vague. Look, I started a project and then it went in a completely different direction and it's no longer fit to be under this, the name that I use for this podcast. It, it's under a different name. It's fine. Unfit for ACO fan consumption. <laughs> yeah, essentially, you know. Whatever that means. Well, in this particular case, it means that it was more of like a dark deconstruction of of a certain uh, genres, tropes, and you know, uh, tragedy in a lot of ways until the like nearly the end. Instead of like being essentially a vaguely slice of life LGBT themed uh, exploration of sci-fi tropes, like that's I, I see. <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't want people getting those two confused. <laughs> exactly. Like, come on. What am I supposed to do? Write these under the same name? I mean, it's like, I know people who, like, write different genres sometimes have, like, two different names just to keep the genre separate. But they do, like, list them both if you go to their website in case you're interested. <laughs> Rather... Yeah, but the problem is I, I just don't want it to be, like, a thing that people can figure out, you know? I, I'm writing under pen names for the reason of, like, I don't want this attached to each other. That's weird. It is weird. I'll, I'll fully admit that. Okay. Now that you've admitted that, uh, <laughs> it's your turn this week. It is, yes. So, I actually have a bit of an interesting one Ooh. in that, um, have you ever seen the sort of... I guess it would be, it's a sci-fi standard trope where there's, like, some 
ancient machineries or or curse or like nanobots or whatever the explanation is that essentially means that every once in a while the galaxy gets too full of life and then it just gets wiped out by something that some precursor race left in the past and has just been wiping everybody out i have not okay um well that's a that's a thing that happens but i was going to essentially have a twist on that idea where instead of you know this ancient super weapon is still out there it's you're finding the remains and ruins of of these precursors you're finding all these like really old super tech stuff just in space on planets like everywhere and at first based on all the information you can find it seems like the reason for that is that they got wiped out in this cycle that keeps happening but as you essentially as the book goes on it would eventually be revealed that like no this precursor race actually solved the problem they just died in the process and you're just the people who are picking up the pieces well, that's a major anticlimax. Is it, though? <laughs> yeah, because, like, you're picking up all these pieces of a mystery, and then you're like, ooh, our uh, heroes are out to save the galaxy. And then it's like, actually, it's already done. No, don't worry about the impending extermination of all living things. Already solved. Relax, everyone. <laughs> well, I was kind of thinking of doing it Sort of as a false reveal of like, you know, fairly early on, not like super early on, but like about halfway through, you're like, oh no, I figured it out. Like, they need to be prepared for this wipeout of every of everything living in the galaxy. And then at a certain point, it becomes like, I mean, you should still do that like unification of the, of the high-tech species that are exploring the galaxy thing, uh, but for entirely different reasons that have to do with the super weapon's already gone, uh, and that causes its own problems. It does? Uh, usually this kind of super weapon thing is instituted as a solution to, like, war or things wipe- or things, like, expanding so far that they all die anyway. So, I mean, I would say yes. The solution to war is to wipe everything out? I mean, there's no more war then. Okay, but that's, like, you know, the solution to... And it's cyclically wiping things out, you know? It's like, like, you know, they're allowed to exist and then get back up to a certain point, and then once they pass that certain point, they get wiped out. That's like, uh... That's like if if you have ants in your house, the solution is burning your house down. Seems a bit, um... It's not burning the house down. Overkill. But it is, like, you know... (laughs) It is fumigating the house every time you find ants. No, because th- there's still... It's With like, people in it. I, I, look, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying that it doesn't destroy the house. It's like starting an ant farm and then fumigating the ant farm. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's what it's like. I see. Which uh, seems a little dumb. If you didn't want that many ants, you could have just, you know... <laughs> not, not had an ant not, <laughs> not had ants, yeah. This is a trope? Yeah. Wow. Did not appear in all four sci-fi books I've read in my life. 
Man, it really shows that you've read four sci-fi books. Some of them involved, uh, well, I mean, some of them involved, involved remains of alien races, but none that were, like, actively, cyclically killing anyone. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I mean, usually the cyclic killing was at least partially unintentional. Like, they had some other goal, and then the cyclic killing is just how they're, how it was done, and it wasn't um, really the, the intent. I see. Wow, accidentally cyclically killing people seems even worse than doing it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna <laughs> fight you on that. I kind of agree. <laughs> okay. So, there's some tech that cyclically kills people, and the last civilization had the, the un, unsung heroes who managed to disable it at the cost of their own lives. And we're just picking up the traces. Exactly, and trying to piece together the civilization so that you can give them a little bit of honor and then move on. Do a little, little frame narrative. Flashbacks and italics, some heartbreaking remnants of, you know, their lives. Absolutely terrifying recorded messages. Just a, just a little, like, child's toy next to a tiny little skeleton. Ooh. You know, that kind of thing. Fun. People don't like dead baby bodies. And we can put those everywhere. <laughs> and they would be everywhere. Gross. Uh, okay. Well, uh, are we following the life of some archaeologist? I mean, maybe not an archaeologist, but, like, somebody who would have had occasion to maybe run into one of the... Because, like, they get sent on this quest by essentially discovering that, like, oh, no, this might be the end of all life in the galaxy thing. Except that they don't know that they're, like, on the outskirts on a planet that got wiped out and the information is no longer available that, like, you, this isn't a thing to worry about anymore. Mm-hmm. Except, you know, in, in maybe the case of don't repeat this issue. Um, I mean, it seems fairly straightforward. Don't build technology that will wipe out your galaxy. Seems like standard no-no. I mean, it, it really depends on the scale of war that you get onto. Because, like, you know, it's not like we don't currently have the capability to wipe out all life on Earth. Yeah. I don't understand how this is a trope. Is it like people are, like, they're just fighting a war and then they accidentally build a weapon that kills their enemies and them at the same time? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty common. It's, it's essentially like the losing side in a, in a war that happened underneath mutually assured destruction. Oh, I see. I'm taking you with me. Exactly. Oh, I see. And then see. sometimes there's the, um, man, entropy really sucks and we can't do anything about that, so how about we make sure that there's always life to go on, so let's kill it cyclically, uh, but leave remainders so that life comes back and life continues, even if it's not our life. Which is a very reasonable uh, position to take, by which I mean extremely unreasonable position to take. What does destroying everyone have to do with entropy? Essentially, uh, it usually is like, uh, we couldn't figure out the solution to this problem, so how about we reset everything and like make sure that the next people are less worried about this problem because they can't do anything about it either. Which is not really the 
smartest decision. But it is something I've seen several times. We're so worried about entropy that it's better to kill our entire race than to keep worrying about it? That is a thing that I've seen multiple times. How is this a thing that's become a real thing? What does that even mean? It means that people are afraid of weird things. Like, I think they should all go see a therapist. <laughs> what the hell? Welcome to science fiction, where half the writers should see a therapist, and the other half should see a psychiatrist. <laughs> I'm so confused. This... I would say this is why I don't read sci-fi, but I wasn't even aware <laughs> that this was a thing. Yeah, it's, it's more like uh, sci-fi is often used to talk about actual societal issues, like people who have bad ideas, who get in positions of power, and things like that. Okay. Um, and yeah. the issue with that is that sometimes things seem ridiculous, and then you think about like how people react to things in reality, and you go, uh, maybe this ridiculous thing less ridiculous than I would like. I mean, everyone dying from a mutually assured destruction violation peace thing is unfortunately topical right now. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I was trying not to bring it up. <laughs> but, but, but there's a difference between, like, uh, we, we wipe out one planet from the radiation and wiping out the whole galaxy because you're afraid of entropy. What does that even mean? <laughs> Usually, it's like they think that there's some solution that they can't think of, but that some other group will think of it before they reach a certain point in their development, which is not entirely a founded belief. It's just one that, you know, exists. What makes them think that, re like, resetting life down to lack of sentience is going to speed up finding the solution? Not lack of sentience, because it's like, it's sapience and toolmaking that's usually the, uh, dividing line. Okay, either way, what makes them think that, like, waiting a couple, another couple billion years for logical reasoning and science to form is gonna speed things up? That's so illogical. Uh, cause they need a new process, you know? Cause the, it's not like societal development is just like one ladder that everybody climbs it's like a bunch of different bricks that get put down in different places so you know maybe somebody else's bricks will get you to the right place this is dumb a f <laughs> i i don't deny that the like the reasoning of the of whoever created the cyclically wiping out all life thing is a a bad idea i have never denied that I just don't understand how this is became a popular enough idea to become a trope. Cause it's neat. How is it neat? People are, what, cause people are morbid? People are morbid. People are morbid, but that's not like, why? Like, usually these stories don't go super deep into the reason for the creation of the ancient super weapon that is a threat. <laughs> okay. Like. So I'm gonna be honest, they usually just go like, yeah, people make super weapons sometimes and don't always think through the consequences before they do so. <laughs> okay, so it just becomes your standard plot device that they the main characters have to work their way around. So that yeah. not everyone gets... This is dumb trope. Dumb trope. It is in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it is one that uh, provides interesting scenarios. 
where you have like a race against time and you know you have this like unite the galaxy thing which is actually super neat uh, uh, okay if you say so I'm not gonna read any more sci-fi but I wasn't you should sci-fi is awesome but never. it's very it's very theme heavy never other but, than you know. continuing my series with with that half half organic robot that I empathize with too much. Um, uh-huh. Oh, including that series. I think I've read seven sci-fi books. Oh, boy. Seven. But four series. Four different worlds. So It is an issue with sci-fi that it continuously goes very deep in the sauce on themes. Okay. Well, you know how I feel about themes. They should all be accidental. <laughs> yeah. I, I disagree, but you know, <laughs> okay. it's fine. Okay, um, so some person who's may or may not be an archaeologist who is assigned to go look into this oddly under-inhabited galaxy despite its rich. I mean, to be fair, even our galaxy is, like, weirdly under-inhabited based on the information that we have available. What do you mean? Are you, like, think the other planet should be inhabited? There should be more life out there than we're currently seeing. You know, maybe they, maybe they don't use radio, maybe they don't use certain things, but, hmm, it's real weird that we haven't found anything. And kind of worrying in a lot of ways. (laughs) Uh, okay, well, it's not something I'm currently worrying about. Yeah, it's just, look, it's mathematically strange that we haven't found anything else that's, like, alive and making noise. How would we know what is appropriate level of habitation with a sample size of one? The thing is that we have greater sample size than that, and we also have chemical, uh, we also have chemical stuff on the viability of the beginning of life. So it's like, either we've already passed something called, quote-unquote, the Great Filter that just, like, knocks out a, an enormous percentage of places where life begins. Uh, or it's in our future and we're about to die. Uh, or, alternatively, there is one other answer that it's really early on in the galaxy, in not the galaxy, in the universe's lifespan, and we're just one of the first, which is worrying in a completely different way. It's like, one of these three things is true, and all of them are worrying. Nah. I'm more inclined to believe that, like, races tend to just wipe themselves out before they go to intergalactic travel. That would be the great filters in front oh. of us. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's my... I'm inclined to think that, yeah, natural selection just doesn't doesn't select in in that kind of far future oriented way. Yeah, uh, it's actually kind of a selects for the present situation, even if everybody knows that that situation is going to change in the future to something else. Yeah, anyone who has had the experience of doing something that they know is bad for them, but being unable to stop themselves, will understand. <laughs> I see. Okay. Uh, we're working on a plot instead of railing against the stupidity of the plot device. Because, you know, I mean, it, I guess it's not any dumber than, I don't know, what's the equivalent fantasy trope? I don't know. I'm sure there's really dumb ones. There are. 
usually is like undiscovered magic, um, or like, especially in like long, long established worlds where it's like, ah, oh, nobody tried out this extremely basic thing, and it's just kind of like, uh, why? Okay. That are you know ancient civilizations that also wipe themselves out in a very sci-fi manner. You mean fantasy manner? Uh, well, I more meant in the way that, like, it's pretty much the exact same trope as I just described, but with, uh, fantasy flavoring. Yeah, maybe, but sometimes, usually there's, like, an angry god or some kind of monster. I don't know. Something that's not just, like, people. Sometimes they create that angry god, to be fair. Like, that's not... Uh, It's not usually, like, people killing themselves on purpose. (laughs) See, you say that. Okay. I don't know. I, I feel like I don't read... At least recently, the, like, apocalypse in the past fantasy stories that I've read have actually almost exclusively been people wiped out other people, and now we're picking up the pieces. So we're just gonna skip over that whole thing, <laughs> because you don't seem to like it very much. No, because it's illogical, and I don't like it. <laughs> when in the history of ever have people been logical. The point is, I'm logical, and I would like if everyone else would fall in line, because this is just (laughs) nonsense. (laughs) I see. Eunice exception, hashtag. Uh, I did say people, not a person. Yeah, people are logical, except Eunice. (laughs) Eunice isn't people, Eunice is singular. Yeah, but I'm not, I don't know, am I even part of people in the... In the you Venn, are a person. In the Venn diagram of life. I would say that you are part of people, but it, like, really depends on how big of a people we're talking about. Okay. Um, okay, I'm a person. Uh, what, I don't know, like, this is one of those, like, scavenger hunt thingies where you pick up a, a scrap of this here, find a ancient form of I USB mean, stick there that... Yeah, like, essentially what you're doing is you're using your main character to explore the world and tell the story of, like, millions of years ago through a non-linear narrative, while at the same time telling a story of the present where they're, like, trying to prepare for, like, the end of a life, mostly. <laughs> you know, you could put in some, like, written report formats little bit of live dialogue, some flashbacks. Exactly. Uh, and then you have whatever your modern day crew is essentially panicking because it's like, uh, these people all got wiped out, so what chance do we have? And then, you know, you can like pick up the, the trail of the, oh, they were actually working on this solution and it, and as I follow the notes, it seems like they almost have it. So then it's a race to find the solution. Well, it's more, I think more, like, interestingly, it would be, like, it looks like they were working on a solution, but, like, never got to complete it. But, like, there are blueprints here, so we could, we could start work on this. We just don't know how to finish it until we're going to get, until we get to, like, wherever we find the issue is. And then they're working on it. They're starting to build it just in case they find the last hint that they need. Then they get to the final journal entry where whatever scientist in the past realizes what the solution is. And it's they. Like we have activated the solution. Also, we're all dead uh, because, frankly, there's 200 of us left and we don't have the genetic diversity to continue to live. And we're also in space and we're out of fuel. So. 
That's that's doesn't seem like a a viable way for a species to die out in in at this level of technology. I mean, it does if they're not like you know in a place that's built. If those two hundred final people are not in a place that's built to essentially continue the species. Okay, I mean, I I feel like that's not. Also, I said that they were out of fuel. Okay, so it's like. <laughs> We had to go on this ship to this place to implement the solution, and we can't get back, so... Bye, everyone! Hope yeah, this so one day. I guess we're out. Um, that kind of sucks. And then they read the story, and they've been getting emotionally invested in all these... This Whoever was writing this journal's life, now they're really sad. And they're like, guys, we don't need to work on it anymore. It's got, it, we're good. It was done. And then, well, I mean, it's more like the last quarter of the book is going like, you know that thing that we got like pretty much everybody together to work on? Turns out these people actually succeeded. Um, and this, this giant work is actually kind of unnecessary. Uh, we should repurpose it into something that's more useful to us in the present day. And also that almost anybody can use because... No, no, because no. Uh, let's not kill each other. They have to turn it into a museum as a homage to the the people who died. I'm pretty died. sure that was homage. Oh well, words that I've never said. And then they're very sad because the person didn't get a happy ending. Yeah, they didn't get a happy ending. But you know what? We can we can make this a happy ending by being good to each other. And that's just how sci-fi do, okay? And then the person gets a plaque. Because <laughs> you know they get, they get a tiny medal and a Nexus sign, man. <laughs> like you know when the, you sacrifice your life to save the galaxy, and then you get a plaque. <laughs> yeah, very reasonable series of of things to go on. Wow. Actually, I should go back and tag the episodes where, where it's like. Hashtag, life, real life is sad. <laughs> yeah. None of that Shh. fantasy happy ending crap that, that you like reading about. We're going to make you mildly so, sad. Look, real life is great sometimes. Also, sometimes real life sucks. It's just going to be this level of, not depression, just mild everyday sadness. Has, yeah, everyday sadness is. I'm going to go back and tag all the episodes where we had endings. I like see. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. What are you gonna tag them? Anyway. What? No, ennui. That's the word. I completely mispronounced it. That was my fault. Ennui. Wow. Ennui. Yeah. Look, I misplaced which language was the source for it. Wow, it's very. That's what. That's when I mispronounce things, right? Is I misplace the language that's the source for it. It's very French. Also, I have heard that one spoken before. Yeah, I think I've said it before. I think I've said it before correctly. Yeah, probably. It's just, you know, as I was speaking, I misplaced the source language and then went the completely wrong direction. Welcome to English, everybody. Seven languages stacked in a trench coat. Three of them are big. The rest are very small. Yeah, if you look it up, you, homage is one of the correct pronunciations, 
And then if you want to go French, it's homage. Americans are Americans are terrible. That's that's true. Not completely unrelated to what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know this this uh, super weapon and mutually assured destruction that resulted in the uh, elimination of a lot more people than necessary. Hmm. Mm. I wonder where you might find parallels. Yay, allegory. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, that seems to be the plot. I didn't put... Don't We haven't really done any characters <laughs> yet, which we probably should. I mean, you know, you have the whatever scientist slash researcher slash adventurer who happened to stumble across a galaxy-ending uh, device. Yeah, but the way we described it, uh, somebody... Somebody political, at least, did believe that this was a thing worth investigating. Yeah. So maybe they sent, like, an engineer with them. So you have, like, an entire crew made up of essentially what is a politically motivated, let's find out if there actually is a problem, and if so, how in the world do we solve it? Are we talking about the past people who actually did solve it? No, we're talking about the future people who are being sent up along the, uh the chase that eventually finds them to this particular problem is not a problem, but there are so many others that you need to deal with. Okay. I mean, I assume, you know, there are several different interests uh, who are vested in the survival of this galaxy. And they send Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you have an entire politically crafted crew. And uh, they may have, like, different ideas as to the best solution to avoid dying. There's some, like, nonsensical bickering, because people do. Uh, yeah. And then there's one person who needs to be able to, you know, bark at everyone and get them in line, because they're being maybe, crazy. Maybe just so that we can, uh, you know, not go full Star Trek on this uh I mean, we might want to go full Star Trek on this, but, like, that also leads to, like, you know, you have an entire, like, functioning city within your starship, which is a little bit a lot. Um, I mean, I would I would have said that there are a whole city of people to just go look for the clues, but, you know, they're communicating with the people back home and building the solution technology. Yeah, I mean... What I was saying was, like, maybe your little exploratory vessel, maybe there's, like, a level of hyperspace that can only be accessed um, if you have, like, a certain small amount of people. Like, maybe minds uh, disturb it too much and summon the Elder Tours from beyond. So people are just like, yeah, if we send more than, like, 15 people, it's going to summon that, so we keep our crews to 12. Okay. <laughs> At least in the ships that go really fast. Yeah, I, I assume... If it's a crew that small, like, everyone on there is going to be useful in some way, regardless of what the political higher-ups want. Yeah. You have one therapist, and then... (laughs) One therapist, one captain, and the rest of them are, you know, very normal, uh, high-level engineers and scientists. And then, like, maybe they're, like, getting messages from the political higher-ups at home but they're like you know what our galaxy might get wiped out let's end of the galaxy not gonna sabotage the mission because you don't like the person who's funding it that doesn't seem reasonable 
let's just pretend that our communication equipment is broken and get on with it. <laughs> we can send, but our receiving is really poor. Don't know what's up with that. <laughs> yeah. We're working on it. Like, we have four scientists who are, who are really trying. You know, we probably got some kind of ancient language specialist. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, you'd have, like... You'd have, like, a few engineers, a, like, a language specialist, at least one or two people who understand weapons really well. And then, like, like an ancient technology specialist It's like, who looks at this, like, ancient USB stick and is like, ah, and... We think- can sort of adapt a computer to read this-ish. We're gonna be missing context, but, like, we can run it through and then combine the context... You know what? Don't worry about it. I have a plan. Yeah, and then maybe even manages to like just uh, read a whole like video file of this alien-looking person, the different species, who nonetheless has you know hopes and dreams and heroic exactly. motivations. Or if not heroic, at least extremely desperate and not at all concerned about who finds this information. <laughs> You know, the hero type that's very much, like, doesn't think they're a hero, but just gets on with it in terms of saving the world. I'm not a hero, I'm just a guy who saves the world for fun. You know, you just get on with it. None of this moaning and whining about how hard it is to be a hero. Because that stuff's so teenage angst. Obviously it's difficult, otherwise why why would anybody be bothering? Yeah, that's why we celebrate them so much, so it's worth all the nonsense. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, and then, you know, depending on how much you want to characterize the past people, they can have their own their own little... I mean, you want to characterize them, but they're also kind of like one-off characters every time. <laughs> you know, because it's like, uh, this entry happened, you know, a little while before they died. <laughs> they didn't get off this planet. They got wiped out by the super weapon. But, you know, they left us some information, so guess we get to figure out a little bit more. I mean, I personally would, like, have them find an entire set of, like, journal entries or whatever from one person and use that to kind of organize the past timeline as they piece it together. Well, they'd find more than one of those, but yeah, it's pretty much, like, the thing, is that they find, like, th- some things that help them piece together a timeline, and then sometimes the thing that they're using to piece together the timeline abruptly cuts out because the person who was keeping it died. Yeah, and, you know, depending on how fancy you want to get, you can have the two journeys parallel each other a little too much. And insert <laughs> some degree. some tasteful flashbacks, and you know, and comment about the cyclicality of life. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there were better ways to phrase that, but that's fine. The cyclical nature of life. There we go. Cycles. That's a way to phrase it. Anytime you do cycles, you're suddenly like deep or something. I like. No. I, <laughs> I like being fake deep. <laughs> Lots of people like being fake deep. I'm not a fan myself, but, you know, I've found that that makes me the exception, not the rule. 
Wait, are, are other people being fake deep on purpose or are they trying to be deep but not succeeding? Because that's try hard. I can't tell. Ain't nobody um, likes a try hard. <laughs> I really can't tell a lot of the time. Oh, well, in my case... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they try to be fake deep, but I think that the answer is that they try to be real deep and then yeah. See, fail. Yeah, I don't even try because, you know, like, what is depth? You know, that's in the <laughs> What is of... depth but a dimension in an opposite direction? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a very confused statement. I don't, yeah, I don't know what you're trying to say. But, uh, no, I, I know what I'm trying to say. It's just that, like, the thing that I was trying to say is essentially meaningless. But if you're just being comedically not deep, um, nobody can tell you that you're not deep and stop trying so hard. Exactly. Cause well, we, they can. It's just that, like, you can laugh in their face. Yeah, because that's definitely what we're, you know, trying to teach everyone. Just don't try so you won't fail, because that's a great message. <laughs> That's a terrible message. <laughs> okay. Um, the point is, if you're going to be deep, it'll probably be accidental, and I think it's better. No. <laughs> no. Also false. Whatever. Whatever. But if you're going to try to be deep, at least put some basic research in so you don't look like you've not thought about anything since that time that you traveled back to nineteen to the 1920s and read a few books. Who makes it? Who writes like they haven't thought since the last time they traveled to the 1920s and read a book? It's a terrifying number of people. The, okay, well, yeah, the point Truly is... Truly worrying number of people. Remember, people, if you ever think you've had an original thought, it's definitely not original, and you should uh, Google it to see who thought it before you, so you're not, you don't come across as ignorant and so last century <laughs> see uh i i've tried that but i have actually found a few times where it does not appear shh, shh. this is general people advice not weirdo people <laughs> advice okay i'm sure you may have actually had a legitimate thought once or twice in your life i mean a unique thought almost everybody has and the answer is just try to make yourself not look like you don't know what you're talking about uh no, I think people have, most people have had, like, originally derived thought, but an actual original thought is not something that most people experience in their lifetime, in my opinion. Someone has thought it before you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the recording may not be done, though, so, you know, you can be the first one to write it down. I don't even think most people get that, but, uh, you know. I'm, you I'm, know, take a shot anyway, okay? Be you. Be unique. Being unique is overrated. I, I'm well aware of this, you know, in, in my position. I know, but, like, at the same time, lots of people want to be unique, so let's let them. Anyways, uh, we've kind of drifted, like, wildly off topic. Um, well, now we're just talking philosophy, which is kind of what sci-fi is about. <laughs> that is what sci-fi is about. Like, ultimately, sci-fi is philosophy, but put in a uh, neat package with like lasers and stuff yeah to make it cool i mean like that's what that's what i think good fantasy is too but uh sometimes it's overtaken by let's just have a romp and good time which is also a legitimate way to to entertain the masses but sometimes you should sneak some some deeper thoughts in there <laughs> sneak philosophy in there trick your readers into learning 
Yeah, that's my philosophy. Everyone should just, just be educational. You say that you're tricking them into learning, but I'm not entirely certain that you do the tricking thing instead of just the learning thing. What? What are you talking about? Nobody's tricked? Everybody knows Nobody's they're learning? Tricked. Are you telling Everybody me? knows they're learning. Are they, but are they, are they, no, what? There aren't that many people who love learning. Nobody's like, I clicked on this story because I thought it would be educational. <laughs> I think. Nobody clicked on it originally, but after they got past, you know, a few chapters with your footnotes, they sort of realized that it would be in some ways. Or they just stopped <laughs> reading the footnotes. I doubt everybody reads the footnotes. That should be my next poll question. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. the, now that we've drifted way off topic again. Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, this is a very loosey-goosey general plot, but it's very much like... It is. You gotta populate it with, like... Interesting characters and difficult scenarios. You gotta really get in on, like, the emotion of, like, knowing that you're going to die, but continuing to do your work anyways, so that other yeah. people might not die. Yeah. It's heroes, man. Heroes. Uh, it really lets you discuss uh, what it is to be heroic, you know? And then, you know, have maybe have an idealistic person who has to realize the everyday sadness of the lack of happy endings. <laughs> Hashtag everyday sadness. <laughs> Either way. Um, maybe we should just close before we get off on another tangent. Uh... Yeah. That feels that feels like what we should do. Okay. Well, if you like this story, um, you're weird, but cool. Write it and, and email us at listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com and we'll talk about it later. Uh, yeah, I really don't think you're that weird if you like this story, uh, but you know, it's fine. And if you have a better idea, you know, you can always come on the show with guests at unwrittenimaginings.com. Yeah, like and share and subscribe do and the rate. things yeah do the things um we have no grand prize draw just you know legal purposes making sure that you know no grand prize draw and uh we'll see you next week see you next week